0: Before we start the service today, I just wanted to, we have a couple of people here. Tony Ann's daughter, Bree. Uh, she lost a friend of hers this week. I don't know, you, some of you may have heard about this accident this week. He was 16 years old, his name was Josh, and died in a car accident. And uh, whenever a life is just taken so suddenly, it's just hard to bear. We just wanna pray I want to pray for this family and just pray for their loss and pray for the direct family's loss. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and your love. We pray, Lord, that right now in Jesus' name, that all who are mourning his loss, Lord, that all who are mourning, Lord, that you would comfort them, give them peace. I thank you, Lord, even at the worst moment, Lord, the loss of life. You are right next to us, and you are right next to this family and the families, Lord, that are mourning right now. In Jesus' name, I pray that, Lord, through this situation, you would show each and every person, Lord, at this pain, at this hurt, Lord, that you are there for them. That you're there and willing to lift them up and just to cast it upon you, Lord. The emotional part, the mental part, that will, be, that will take some time, but to go in and there will always be some loss in, in our natural. But I thank you, Lord, in the spirit, they can instantaneously Be lifted up, Lord, and have joy, even in pain and even in hurt, Lord, even in these moments, Lord, there is a joy that's found only in you. I pray, Lord, that you use it. Use this moment, Lord, for all the families, Lord, that will be attending this funeral. We pray, Lord, we just pray for your peace. We pray that you would be there, Lord, and I pray that you would show us Lord and show this generation Lord show these 16 year olds these high school kids Lord that will be at that funeral show them Lord that life is not guaranteed and that there's only hope in you that eternity is a a blink of an eye in a way And that you are standing right there with them, calling those names. That every single young person, Lord, every single old person, every single person that will attend, Lord, that funeral, Lord, as they see, Lord, in their pain and in their loss and in their hurts, as they see this young man, Lord, that they'd be reminded that we'll all close our eyes. There'll be a last day for all of us and to turn to you and that there's only hope found in you. You are the only hope, Lord. I thank you. But we just pray, Lord, for your peace just to be at that funeral, for your peace to be in these families, Lord, and and to do a supernatural work in their hearts, Lord. Give them strength, Lord, through this, this whole season, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name because you're good, Lord. You are a good God. We don't understand in these moments, but you have not changed. Your nature is always good. And you will use, because you're good, Lord, you will use this situation for good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Just thank you, God. God is good, isn't he? He is good all the time. So many things that we don't understand, but we just need to trust Him. I want to preach a little bit about that this week. We had been, I'd spent weeks and weeks just talking about having a different spirit and having the Spirit of God revealing. Last week I was talking about the Holy Spirit revealing. He wants to keep revealing. There's so much revelation in Him that only is found only in walking with Him. But it's in these moments, and, and I feel as, as a church, families here and the families that aren't, that the church, maybe it's the church worldwide, that you may have been battered, may have been feeling the stresses and worries, whatever it is, it comes in your mind, comes in your body, comes in your soul, comes in your spirit, but the battering comes the weaknesses come, the things around your life come, but there is a hope that we found in Christ. And I just wanted to share a few scriptures with you. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, and this is to you believers, this is for us believers, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. It says the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. It doesn't say that we will not suffer. It just says that when we do, that Christ will be there. He will More than equal the suffering. Sufferings will come. Stresses will come. Worries will come. Loss will come. But whatever level of loss or stress or worry or doubts or fears that come, Christ is there to comfort you and he has more than you need. It says in verse 7, We are confident that as you share, this was Paul speaking to the church, this is all of us. He was speaking of himself in verse 5, and then he says, We're confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure sometimes you're crushed beyond your ability paul didn't say that god stopped this from happening he said that this was the reality that we were in we were crushed paul had given his life to god he was serving god in fact 100% devoted to God. No distractions, nothing except serving God. And yet, he said that we were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die. They had been driven to such a place of despair and overwhelmed to such a place that he felt, the Bible says, the sentence of death in him. Been driven to the place. He had been so overwhelmed that he felt death inside of him. But he found something which I want to preach about today, and it's what we need as believers. We need to get what he spoke of right here. But as a result, I want you to sing this, say this out loud. Don't sing it out loud. Let's just say it out loud. You'll see why in a moment why I said sing. I'm getting ahead of myself. But as a result, let's read this together. We, let's say, must stop relying on ourselves. As a result, so what did he say? He said, the sufferings came. An overwhelming time came. Persecutions, tribulations, etc. Things came that pushed us to the point Well, we thought we had been pushed to such an extent that we didn't even think we were going to live through this moment. It was a physical thing that he was facing, but do you know that that stress, in fact, science is already figuring this out, stress is the biggest killer. Enemies just trying to get the whole church stressed out. Get you stressed with your spouse, get you stressed with your kids, get you stressed with your workplace, get you stressed with your neighbors. Just get you stressed out, get you stressed with your church, get you stressed about the call of God, not on the call of God. Just get you stressed out, and science has already figured it's all, I mean, it will literally kill you. If you let that thing rule in your life, it will kill you. But we need to start as his church, and the Lord is speaking to many today, not to one. There are many that have been just feeling the weights and the pressures, and maybe not in this moment, but if you haven't felt it this week, you will feel this at some time in your life, so pocket this sermon for that moment. As a result, as a result, so God, because he's good, because everything, all things work together together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That means that even the worst situations, the ones that literally look like they're going to kill you, God's working something. And if you will let Him, that's the key. Everybody say, the key key. is is. that I I let God be God. The key is in every situation that you let God be God. Because if we'll let him, he will help us. Christ will be there. It's not because he's going to show up. We say those things like, God, we need you to show up. It's that he was already there. We just showed up. We showed up in the place where he dwells. You know that God dwells in a different place than you, God dwells outside of the reality of time. He dwells outside the reality of what the devil is doing. I don't understand it all, and we're not going to talk about it today, why time is what it is and why things come and go and, and hard things in this world, and we won't, as I've said before, on this side. We will, our eyes will be open on the other side, and we'll have an understanding of what is going on in this world, but God has a plan. That's what we need to know, that no matter what it looks like, even when death is knocking at your door, even when the sentence of death is in yourself, it says, it, if you let it, it drove us, it caused us to stop relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely only on God who happens to raise the dead that even if death had come, he was so confident in his God, then so be it, because my God is a death raiser. My God has bypassed death itself, sin and death. The curse of sin and death was crushed on the cross. And he said, verse 10, and he did rescue us, And he did rescue us. I want you to know this today. We stopped relying on ourselves because we had no choice. Come on, I want you to raise your hand. Say, sometimes I have no choice. (laughs) God allows it because it drives you if you let him. Two things are going to happen. You ready, Christian? You're ready. Two things. You have two choices. You either let God work out the situation or you quit. That's it. There's only two choices. You just give up or you let God be God in that situation because we need to understand this, that he did rescue us from mortal danger. And look at, I love the way it says it. He actually says a promise. He says, past, present, and future. He did rescue us and he will rescue us again he did rescue us and not only that i want you to know that he rescued me many times many times not once but many times and he will rescue us again when we get into fear and doubt you know why there's such sins towards god not to condemn you and not putting you in the condemnation but the reason that it's so opposing to God is because it's telling God that I don't trust you. When we doubt him, it's, he's, what he wants to remind us of is, haven't I rescued you before? The answer is yes for all of us in here. We've been rescued many times. Many times he's rescued you from death itself. Mentally, physically, and spiritually. Sometimes your mind was being targeted. The enemy was coming for that thing to kill that thing. May not be your physical body, but he was after your mind just to kill you. And God rescued you and he will rescue you again. You need to know that, that we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Now he writes in Corinthians, he says this over and over again. He says in verse 12, We can say with confidence and a clear conscience, we have lived a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings, and we have depended on God's grace, not our own human wisdom. There's a dependence upon God. There's a place in God that we must get into. In fact, Hey, I've just very quickly, I just want to breeze through a few verses here. In 2 Timothy, he was saying to Timothy, he said, I was brought, verse 16, 2 Timothy verse 16 of chapter 4. He said, I was brought before the judge, and no one came with me, and everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. Look at, I love how he says that. That's not today's sermon, but he's like, I'm not judging anyone. Just wanted to, everyone to know I was by myself been driven to a place by himself, but he says, but the Lord stood with me. You know, even when everyone abandons you, he's talking actually about the church, the church itself. Even when my fellow believers, brothers and sisters abandoned me, I may not have been driven to death in this moment, but I felt alone. Sometimes you just, you feel like nobody's on your side, nobody's there with you. This is a different situation than the one we just read. But nonetheless, in his heart, you're going to feel just as, as empty and lonely. And it says, but God stood with me. The Lord stood with me and gave me Strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety to all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Actually, it says I was delivered. In more traditional, the New King James the Amplified says, I was delivered out of the jaws of the lion. He came to a place. He'd been driven to a place just by circumstances had things life had abandoned him and he was alone and there was only one that would not abandon who has promised that he would not abandon us and that's God himself God himself stood with him and gave him strength and delivered him out of the jaws of a lion he goes on in second Corinthians chapter four and he says verse seven we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear. I want you to read this out loud. This makes it clear that our great power. I want you to say that again. Great power. Great power. Great power. Great power. There's a great power in you. Actually, the Lord started touching my heart. There's a, there's a superpower. The secret power within you. The whole world's on this superhero kick these last 10 years and they're making billions of dollars on superhero movies. The world's obsessed with them. They're only making money because the world's going there to pay them for these things. The world's obsessed with superpower. Power's beyond yourself. Isn't it funny? Isn't it ironic that without denial of God, the world craves this idea that there is a power within you that's greater than you. Isn't that ironic? But they won't turn to God. <laughs> but the Lord was speaking to me. He said, you are super. This whole church, with me in you, you have a superpower hiding within you. You're just a, we was, i I've been speaking the last few weeks about he breathed into clay. The only reason that you had life was his breath, but you were just clay. You were just dirt. And But there's a great treasure hiding inside you within you, and it's God Himself, and He did it on purpose, look at He did it on purpose, He allows the things around us on purpose, God allows them, because He is so jealous for you, first of all, that you would recognize that it's Him and Him alone, and never you, and it never was you, and never will be you, just say that out loud, it's, it will never be me, it'll always be God, no matter how much wisdom you get, no matter how much knowledge you get, no matter how far you walk with God, no matter how far you're willing to go for Him, it will always be His strength that's taking you there. This makes it clear that our great power, the power within us, our superpower is from God and not from ourselves. He said, We were pressed on every side by troubles. Come on, Christians, you know these verses. But we were not crushed. But what did he say? We were pressed. Come on. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. This is, as for a believer, this moment is very difficult. It's the most difficult thing we have to go through because we come to Christ and then we don't understand the pressure. Jesus, where are you? what he's speaking to us through his word is I'm right there in the pressure at the very moment of pressure that's when I start working I was there all along but you just didn't know it until you needed me that's just human nature isn't it human nature who goes into your savings account right the one that's put away for the moment of need before need unless you're foolish That's there for need. So it was there all along, but you accessed it when you felt need. So God allows moments of need so that we access Him and stop relying on ourselves. And He said, we were crushed. Come on, I want you to say this out loud. We were pressed. pressed. I'm sorry, we were not crushed. (laughs) We were pressed, but we were not crushed. We were perplexed. Sometimes... I mean, we didn't, I had, Paul's like, I had no idea. Well, I, God, I don't know what's going on in this moment. Who's been there? Who's not understood why God's allowing what's happening in your life? <laughs> Who has not understood that moment? He said, but, but not driven to despair. God didn't forsake us. He said, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that, come on, why does he allow it? So that, because through the death, you know, I've said this in the past couple of years at some point, I know I've said it before. Everything in creation that dies produces life. Everything. No matter what it is, if it is God made, unless it's human made, right? Plastic does not produce life because we mess with God's stuff. I don't think He's mad, but that's just, that's ours. Doesn't produce anything. But his, when it goes into the ground, it feeds the ground and brings something back out to life. Everything in God's kingdom is dying and through its death is actually producing more life. Much more life, in fact. One tree dies, but it makes room for, if it was a large tree, it took up a lot of space and it makes room for a hundred trees. Through the death of your flesh, and of your mind, and of your will, and of self, come on, <laughs> the life of Jesus starts shining, because I've got no choice. I don't even have a choice. I have to let Jesus rule, because I, I don't have this. I don't, got, I don't have this moment. I'm not in, I don't feel in control in this moment, but it's pushed me to a place where Jesus who's still Jesus as He was when He spoke you into existence. He's still Jesus today, and He's seen because of this situation in our bodies. And yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. That is why, come on, let's say this out loud, we never give up. We never give up. It says in verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. So this is what's happening. God drives us to a place. He doesn't do the things around you. He's not the one pressing you. He's not the one making you suffer. That's not God. That is the fallen state of the world we live in. That world that we live in today came through sin. And we are in this world. Hello, does anybody need to, anybody unaware of that? We are in this world. This is our reality. But for this time, for this time, for this short time, it's just a little while. The Bible says, just a little while. It's a short while. James calls it a vapor. Have you to look? Have you got to look at it? James was seeing it through God's eyes. It's just a wisp of air. This this life, but in this place, in this life that we're living in today, the world, and the devil, and your own flesh, who's opposing God, is causing sufferings and trials and all kinds of stuff around your life. But God, because He's good, He doesn't say, well, we'll start living in eternity. He said, I can start giving you life right now. If you want, I'll give you life right now, even though this is a broken place and your true promise is eternal. The true promise is the place where he says, I'm going to wipe away your tears. Did you know that Jesus said he would wipe away your tears? There would be no more mourning. There would be no more fear. There's no more worry. There's no more doubt. You don't even need the sun. You don't even need to go to sleep and wake up to the sun of a new day because it's always shining. Shining. Jesus' light is always shining. There is no more darkness. But he said, in this time, in the time that you're living in, both for your sake and for the world around you, if you let me, I'll give you that life right now. But don't be confused. That doesn't mean that the trials won't come. It doesn't mean that times of not understanding won't come. But I'll give you life right inside of that place. And in order to get there, In order to get there, it's a spiritual thing. The body is dying and that doesn't stop. It's going to keep dying until it's dead. But the spirit, if we'll let him, is being renewed. The spirit of life within us. He said, for our present troubles won't last very long. I just said this. Yet they produced for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. The New King James says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. The afflictions in your life now are just a moment, but it's working for us. Come on. Did you know that the afflictions around you are working for you? Nothing in God's kingdom is stagnant. There's nothing stale in God. Everything is producing. Everything is producing. Even darkness, even the devil, which is opposed to God and not like God, God used him, don't forget... God used the devil like a pawn to put Jesus on the cross. The very life that you have, the very life that we have in Christ through his blood, through his death on the cross was driven. The devil entered uh, Judas and betrayed Jesus and God allowed it, bringing about the very life we have today. Your affliction is working for you. The things around you, if you let them, if you let them, come on, I keep saying if, 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 because that's the key. The whole gospel from the very beginning to the very end, the whole Bible is, a char- is characters that either let God do what he was going to do in their life or didn't, plain and simple. The simplest form of, of the whole gospel, I can just sum it up, the Bible for dummies, just go to page 50, it says this. They get. They do have it. That's a real book. That's a real book. I have it on my shelf, actually. That's a real book. I didn't just. That's not me insulting. That's a real book. The whole thing is this: to let God, as the pressures come around you and things that we don't understand and the trials and the tribulations and all those things, it's actually working for you. It's working. And you know what it does, if you let it, is get fear out of you. It gets worry out of you. It gets doubt out of you. It gets sin out of you. When he shines the light upon that thing in your life, and that's uncomfortable, God designed that moment. He designed the moment you are not supposed to feel comfortable in your fear. You are not supposed to feel comfortable in sin. And the church is doing a great disservice to the world today to make people feel comfortable in their sins. You were never meant to feel comfortable. That is God, that's the Holy Spirit. In fact, I've heard people say in my years, that uh, uh, just talking to people coming and going in the church, they said, I feel judged in church. You don't feel judged by the people. Maybe that's what the devil's telling your mind, but the Spirit of God was in there, and he was speaking to that area in your life that you haven't given up yet, and if you lit him, things drove you. Even the church itself, even the people around you, maybe he did allow their eyes to stare at you, but they weren't looking at you. They were looking at that thing in your life by the Spirit of God so that it would shine and say, this thing shouldn't be here if we'll let him, there's an, there's an eternal glory. There's a glory that God's trying to bring out of you. There's a life that he's trying to bring out of you. It's a place that we need to get into. We need to walk in this place. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he just, man, he's right through. He just keeps, I mean, he just, I guess he's like me, a little repetitive. He's saying it again. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse four. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. And what does that mean? What does it mean? You ready? You want to serve God? You want to walk with God? Here we go. Here we go. Checklist. (laughs) We patiently endure troubles. (laughs) God's good. He loves us so much. Do you know that, that Jesus loves you so much? He loves you so much, and he wants to help you. Come on, going back, we've been just going through this. The Lord's not letting us out of this sermon. He helps us in our weaknesses and helps us in our troubles. He doesn't want your flesh, and your flesh will not help you. But he, if you let him, will build up that spirit man inside you and create a strength in you, create life in you that just bypasses the situations around you. They will still come. Because it said, we patiently endure troubles. Troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind are going to be around you, but we endure. Well, I found a way, he said. I found a way to endure. Verse 5. We have been beaten, been put in prison. Remember, this is the checklist for true ministers. True ministers, right? Just like American ministers today, right? Including myself. Come on, I can't judge without putting myself in that category. We have such a good life here in America. We have such a good life. We haven't had to face these things. Much of the world does. The Middle East is facing it just like this. this the true ministers in the Middle East are facing this, and, and this nation may face this. If not this way, though, that this will come mentally, this will come around you in other ways in this nation. He'll come to put you in this field. The enemy will put you in this place, and there's still, you still need endurance. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion. Wait a second, you mean a true minister is is allowed to work to exhaustion? I thought that I came to get peace and rest. Come to me, I'll give you rest. He said, yeah, I'll give you rest, but your body is going to be exhausted. Your body may be exhausted, but somehow your spirit man is still at peace. Come on. Devil's been lying to you long enough. Come on. The devil's been lying to your mind long enough. He's been lying to you. The word is clear. He said, we've endured sleepless nights. There you go. You asked me beforehand. He said, can you ask God to help me sleep? Well, there you go. True minister, Tony. Sleepless nights. And gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness. What what does he mean? He's saying during that time, while all those things are happening, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love, while all those things are happening, something else is happening. Verse 7, during that time, come on, not after you deal with this moment. We as Christians, when we get into tough times, we want to retreat, deal with that, and then come back out full and ready for God. The very readiness of God in your life, the thing that He's trying to do in you, is get you to speak during the worst moment. Get you to stand up even though your body can't, your spirit man still is. Stop waiting around for God to take the situation away and let God be God in the situation. Because it says, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Wow. Isn't this good? I'm just reading the scripture. So, I mean, there's no padding. I mean, I'm just reading word for word here. It's the easiest sermon ever. We serve God no matter what they think of us, whether they slander us or praise us. Remember, this is the checklist for true ministers of God. The checklist is that you are unaffected by the situation, by the voices, by what you feel, by what you think, by what's going on around you or inside you. You are unaffected. It doesn't mean you are unaware. Come on. Does't mean you are unaware? We're aware. You're just unaffected by it. And he said, we live, he said, we serve God whether people honor us or despise whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored, even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Come on, say that out loud. My heart's aching, but I have joy. So the joy of the Lord is irrelevant to your heart. The emotion of joy is a different thing. The emotional place in you, come on, we get emotional. Christians get emotional. You need to push that aside. Doesn't mean that you're not aware. But he said, I have a joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Again, if you're not sure, if you're a true minister of God, just go down the checklist. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 4-10. through The checklist for true ministers. <laughs> he said in Acts 16, though, in Acts 16, Paul said, It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, I I wanted to bring up a real life, you know, Corinthians, he's writing about his life. He's saying like, hey, this is what I was thinking. This is what I was feeling. This is what God was doing in the situation. This was a real story now. Now, here's the story, and look what he says. Here's the story of what he's talking about in Corinthians, writing these. This is what was going on, but here we go. Verse 25, just like we all would do. Come on, this is just like all of us. I know I'm not preaching to anybody. This is all, you know, this is what we all do. In the worst moments, remember when you were put in prison, put in the dungeon? You were beaten first. First you were rejected. Then you were beaten for Christ. And then you were, then they said, you know, we don't want to make sure you don't escape because sometimes God just frees these guys. So put some extra clamps on you. And you were just bound for Christ. Remember that? Remember that? And then we all did the same thing. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, just like we all do. It's what we do, right? So we do. Why is it so quiet in here? <laughs> Paul and Silas were praying and singing. That's why I said singing before by accident. Let's sing it to the Lord. I was already, the Spirit's already speaking. So where we're going. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Let me just, one more time. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city's official, them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. okay. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison, probably literally thrown, okay? The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so they put them into the inner dungeon so, and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God. Why? And I, re- I had to go through Corinthians because... Corinthians is telling you what was going on inside of them. This is what he found. He found a place, it's the Psalm 91 secret place he found a place that is outside of the realities of time. It's outside of your mind. It's outside of your flesh. It's outside of this world. There is a place. You know, there was a, the temple was a physical temple. I'm wrapping up. The temple was a physical building, right? It was a physical building, and there was a place deep inside that no one was allowed to go. There was a place where God's presence dwelled in the center of that temple, and it was so holy that even the priest himself, who was a there was one priest allowed, and even if he had sin in his life, there was a rope tied around his ankle so that if he dropped dead from sin, they could drag his body out. That's the place, the secret hidden place in God. And the Bible says that the veil to that place was torn apart. Jesus Christ purchased, He purchased your entrance into the most holy of holies, into the depths of God, into the presence of God, a place though where sin cannot live, a place where no flesh is allowed to go, but by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, He allows you in there anyway because when God's looking at you, He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your faults. He sees you through the blood of Jesus, sees you pure and sees you clean. But, but, even though you're allowed to go in there, most Christians don't. Most Christians don't ever get into this place. You know, there was multiple layers. There was a place you could have sin in your life. You just brought your offering, you left it there. God, thank you, forgive me. And that was it, and you left. Then there were those that worked around the place. There were those in God that got closer and closer. And finally, there was this hidden secret place. And few, few in the world, few in history ever walked in this place. Paul obviously walked in this place. Because even when the situation around him could have driven him to the place where most of us don't pray, most of us aren't singing hymns, most of us, I'm, I'm saying most of us, including myself, that's the moment where you start. Maybe you have cursed God in that moment. Maybe you said, God, where are you? Maybe you thought God abandoned you. Instead of getting on our face and crying out for him, calling to him. We start pointing our finger and we start accusing him. There was a place, Paul didn't say, his song wasn't this. You ready? Oh Jesus, why are my legs so bloody? (laughs) His song was, We have to use our imagination. But something like, God, you're still God. I love you anyway. It's my joy to serve you. And if this is what it's gonna take for the kingdom to just keep moving forward, if this is what it's gonna take, if my body has to be poured out so that your glory is seen, so that people see that when I still speak and I'm still singing and there's still joy in me, that they have to wonder how is it possible The world is stressed out enough. Uh, As Americans, we have different struggles than other parts, but as Americans, we live in a stressed out, driven to the brink, to the very edge life. And the thing that will separate us is that we still have peace and joy in the midst of it, and it doesn't bother us. Not that the situations, people should not look at your life and say, nothing ever happens to you. That means probably the devil's working on your life. That's, the, that's his anointing. He allows nothing, you know, he's the one bringing it. So if it's not happening, probably just giving him too much of your life. If it's coming, it's from him, not from God. But when you are able to just keep walking through it anyway, that means that we've come to a secret place. We've come to a place within us. It's so deep though, you have to find it. This is not just a simple, it took, it took everything. You had to lay everything before God. You have to abandon everything. You cannot carry any of you in there. You have to. And that's why I read all those scriptures. He was saying that God, because of his grace and his mercy, God loves me so much, Paul said, that he actually allowed me to suffer because he wanted me in his presence. He wanted me to have a joy that's beyond this world and beyond myself. So he actually allowed a situation or situations plural around me so that I had to strip off the things that don't Hang with God's presence. I had no choice but to leave me and my will and my sin behind so that I was pure and clean and holy and not by my choice. My only choice was just to keep surrendering and saying yes. And it drove me into a place, into a secret place, place of God's presence. Because it says in Psalm 32. Verse six, it says, and this is, you guys can all stand." It says, Psalms 32 six says, "Let the godly pray while there's still time." that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment." Verse seven, for "You are my hiding place. Bring that up in the, in the new King James, it says. It says, you are my secret place. You are my hiding place. You are my secret place. This, uh, I'm sorry, it is hiding place here, but this word right here is the same exact word as Psalm 91. It is a covering. It's a secret place. It's a hiding place. And it says, you protect me from trouble. And look what it says. This must be what Paul found. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. He found a place. He had decided instead of worry, I'm going to pray. It doesn't look good. You're right. (laughs) Don't think that that's doubt. That's not anti-faith. To state the obvious. My world is crashing around me. In fact, this is the worst day, worst week of my life. Just say it. You're not lacking faith, but then you put on a big butt, a capital butt. God is still God, and that's where your faith rises. It starts cutting through. You found faith down in the secret place. It's come against my body. It's come against my mind. It's come against my spirit. It's come against my family. It's come from every other angle, Lord. But I'm crying out to you, and a song of deliverance out from within that secret place is coming from my lips. God, we raise our, let's just raise our hands to him. Lord, we surrender all to you. Lord, we thank you that you're good to us. Your goodness though is not defined by the natural. It cannot be defined by our mind. It cannot be defined by this world, Lord, the goodness that you have called for us, it's an eternal place. It's a secret, it's a hidden goodness, Lord. It's one that's found as we seek you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord that you're drawing us in. You're always working. You're always doing. It's not, it actually is obvious. We're just, we got the blinders on. It's only hidden because the veils just keep coming off and we can see what God's been doing blatantly, actually. We thank you, God, that you just keep pulling the blinders off and just keep revealing to us, Lord. Keep showing us that even in our trials, and even in our worries, and even in, Lord, prison cells, we thank you, God, that a prayer and a joy supernaturally will come out of our lips and give you praise and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.